Welcome to Top Commerce. Think about the last time you placed an order on an e-commerce site. You get a confirmation email and what's in it. Usually only shipping and fulfillment information. Most online stores provide limited information and miss an excellent opportunity to upsell customers when they are not expecting to be upsold. Irina Potapnea tells us how her solution helps store owners maximize their transactional emails and turn them into marketing contact points. Brent and Irina talk about the things that many store owners miss and point out opportunities to sell more stuff. Talk Commerce is brought to you by Content Basis. Have you tried machine learning programs only to find they give you repetitive garbage or worse, information irrelevant to the context of what you asked for? Do you know if the content that you're using on your website is even performing? Content Basis exists to analyze, create, and measure the content that is crucial for your product or service. Content Basis analyzes your website analytics to learn what is performing well and what is not. We dig into your search history to discover what keywords people are using to find your product and services and what keywords people are using to find your competitors' products and services. We create a content plan to help you deliver content that wraps around your most vital products and services, and then we track the performance of this content, reassess it, and make it better. Go to contentbasis.io to learn more. The open beta program is available to new users. Go to contentbasis.io. Talk Commerce is sponsored by Haifa, or as the Europeans say, Hufa, or the right way to say it. Hufa is rapidly becoming the biggest Magento front end after Luma. For those who don't know it, Luma is the basic theme that comes with Magento, and it is giantly slow. If you're looking for a template-based front end with the fastest loading times in the e-commerce industry while saving costs on development time and hosting infrastructure, Hufa is your best option. Everybody loves a fast site, including Google. Improve your Google ranking and conversion rates and make your customers happy. Learn more at hyva.io. That's hyva.io. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to Talk Commerce. Today I have Irina Padubna. Irina, please go ahead, introduce yourself, pronounce your name the way it's supposed to be pronounced. Tell us your day-to-day role and maybe one of your passions in life. All right. Thank you, Brent. My name is Irina Pad. I'm from Bulgaria and I'm the founder of TrackMage.com. We help entrepreneurs with post-purchase customer experience. So basically everything that happens after the buy button is pressed in an e-commerce store. And when it comes to passions, right now it's public speaking and everything that's related to speaking and and singing as well. So that's one of my passions right now. Oh, awesome. Are you going to sing for us? Well, it depends. <laughs> what do you want to hear? <laughs> we'll, leave that, we'll leave it right to the end. So I did warn you that I have a project called the Free Joke Project, and maybe we, should, we could do the Free Song Project next. But we'll do the Free pro- Joke Project. All I'm going to do is tell you a joke, and you can tell me if that joke should be free or if it's one that we could charge for. And since you did mention singing, I found a joke that has at least some reference to singing in it. Here we go. Did you know Mortal Kombat is based on an old Scandinavian church song? It's a Finnish hymn. That's a good one. 
I, I don't know about if you should charge for it, but that's a good one. All right. I'll just uh, one more quick one. Why is Pavlov's hair so soft? Because he conditions it. Yeah, I know. They're all really bad. I apologize. All right. So. I, I wouldn't say that they're bad. I'm just saying that, <laughs> yeah, this is like the high-end intellectual humor. It's not just yeah. like... It's only for SAS founders. That's, right. It has to be smart people. All right. So let's talk about... I, I'm very interested in post-transactional data and how you can get people. And we are a Magento agency. My day job is work, running a Magento agency, and we've done a lot of work where... In the card, after they check, after they even after they pay, we like sometimes would customers would like to hold that transaction and get them to buy something more. So, tell us a little bit about your company and how it helps people post transaction. So, what we do is basically so I can just start from the beginning and why they do that because the conversion is from five to ten percent of extra sales just from looking at the order status. So, we helped like. We literally just took this functionality and made it available outside of Amazon. So you can plug it into your store that's built with Shopify, WooCommerce, Magento is in the plans. We don't have a direct integration, but we do have an integration with Zapier, so it's possible to pass the data. So what it creates is that it creates a tracking page where customers can see additional products, the actual information about their order and when it's coming to them, also the brand and social media accounts and the delivery information, whatever you want to put on the page. It's 100% customizable, and you can change all the bits and pieces of it. So it's a drag-and-drop builder where you can literally just customize everything. So one other thing that I didn't mention is that also those pages, they have localization. So if a customer is from a different country or if you are shipping internationally, you can just customize the page specific language that that region is speaking because we support customized emails as well. So emails can be in their local language when the tracking page can be in the local language. So the entire thing. So what TrackMage does is we are helping the customers not only understand that the, like, the package is coming to them, but also to see additional products while they're, uh, they're browsing for the information they were actually looking for. So that's how we help e-commerce stores reach the communication gap and also lower the customer support load because people don't have to ask the, the question, the failed question, like where is my order, where is my package that uh, overloads customer support in e-commerce. So they don't have to ask because it's already answered. So tell us some numbers. Do you have some hard numbers that kind of show how successful this is in terms of it brings a, a lift on post-transactional purchases by 10% or 15 or whatever that yeah. number is? And then... Uh, the secondary part of that question is, do you rely on discounts or coupons or anything else to bring in there, or are people just buying straight up? Okay, I can tell you about our numbers currently. The first thing that we measured is the open rate for the post-purchase emails that talk about the status of the order. So basically, we've seen the open rates around 60%. So that's way higher than any marketing emails that you could see. Another thing is that like from those emails, they visit the tracking pages one or two times per day, 
when they are actually actively waiting for the order, instead of just going through the email every time, they just save the link and they go and visit it one or two times. So during that time, there are sliders. So what we've seen that when the sliders were, the conversion rate wasn't that high. It was around like four, five percent, like it was on the lower end. But when we made them animated and they started moving, the conversion rate raised to around 12, 10, 10, 12 percent. Customers, they actually, when we are waiting for the order, they literally have nothing to do and they want to get the package that they are waiting for but they don't know how to facilitate that process. So instead, they are left with just some free time and they start browsing the products. And if the products are interesting, the customers are buying. So we've worked with this YouTube influencer. They are creating an animated series. And this cartoon gathered a very passionate fan base with three million followers. It's called Metal Family. If you want, (laughs) you can check it out. Like a very cool thing and they have remarkable sense of humor. So I would say. So and this fan base, they were like when they launched their first comic book, they were not prepared to handle like the amount of orders they were going to get because they printed the whole batch of a thousand pieces, and it was sold instead of two months how they were projecting. It was sold in one week, and after that they had to fulfill everything. And what they've seen, so from those ten thousand orders, like originally Trickmage wasn't there, but we joined in the middle of this process. So from those 10,000 orders, we've seen around 7% extra sales. So that result around like 700. That's exactly what it was. Uh, so 700 extra orders from the tracking page. But then we don't measure the indirect sales. Some of the customers, they were going through the logo to the website. They were going to the social media and then back to the website. So that's like the indirect conversion. So maybe it's around 15% or something like that. Because... We didn't have the detailed analytics at that point. And what happened then, the customers were waiting. And instead of writing to customer support, like they previously did, because Metal Family, they were overwhelmed with the amount of questions they got. Because the customers, they were... Again, you can imagine, this is a cartoon series. What kind of immature customers were there? So the immature customers, they were sending messages to all the social media accounts they knew. Five messages from one customer, like uh, every time. So they had to ease that pain. So we had to ease that pain for them because once the emails started get going out and people were getting proactive communication, they stopped asking the questions. And the customer support just, I don't know, sighed with relief because all that, all that enormous, I don't know, like a ton of spam questions, like it just went away. So after the, that happened, and the last bit of functionality and what we also helped Metal Family with was getting reviews. So at the end of the uh, purchasing experience, when the customer actually gets the order, they they experience this, I don't know, like burst of endorphins when they open the package and they finally see the thing that they ordered. And it's the perfect moment to ask for a review because in most cases, that what I've seen with e-commerce stores, they use just timed automation. So in two weeks, there is an email that goes out asking for a review. But what if in two weeks, your customer hasn't received the order yet? And that happened to me a couple of times when I ordered from China or sometimes from the U.S. Like, it literally, like, it asked me for a review when I didn't yet get the product. And then I'm uh, fighting with the customs to get it out of uh, of post office. The idea is, so what we did, we configured the automation, the standard one, and it started asking for reviews. And every fifth customer left a review around five stars. 
So that was 2,150 reviews from 10,000. That's enormous, I would say. And those reviews, they can be used on the product pages, on the, I mean, on the store itself and on social media. So there are a lot of ways how you can capitalize on social proof. So the social, is that, is that how you leverage other customers to bring in more customers? Yes. And we have one feature that is like the killer feature, but it's not yet. Then the customer review is four stars and more. I think we're going to make it configurable so that you can adjust the threshold. So if review is positive, we will ask the customer to share it on social media. With each media, for example, like video or a photo uh, of them uh, interacting with the product. So that's going to probably get some sales from TikTok. I've seen some companies that were capitalizing just on, oh, you were going to post for review anyway. How about you get some like some money from the brand that you're posting it for? So, yeah, there are quite and a few companies that are focusing on TikTok commerce. Yeah, yeah. you focusing then on making or so they get an email and then they go and open up the email to go to this to, to the custom tracking page or is the custom tracking page that you're generating automatically there right after checkout? The custom tracking page is going to be available the entire time. How it's set up, like technically, when the store signs up the track mage and they install one of the apps or they just configure an integration with like a third party tool, they will get the tracking page inside of track mage. And you can create multiple tracking pages, by the way, if you are promoting different things or if you have di different brands, so you can configure tracking pages for every occasion. And that tracking page, it's standalone. You can put it on your custom domain or you can use TrackMage domain and you can plug it in anywhere. It's responsive, so on mobile and on desktop it works asleep. So the idea is that page is always there, but the content based on who is looking at the page changes. So they can look by the order number or by the tracking number that they got. And if they don't remember both, they can enter their email and they're going to get an email from TrackMage that's going to send them their tracking page. So this way, we, uh, just this is a security feature because if we were allowing them to just look up any email, that's not very secure. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I'm interested in your own journey and your bio that you moved to China without speaking Chinese and you ran a fulfillment company and then you now you've launched the SaaS company remotely without any funding. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Like, how did you end up in China and then are you back in Bulgaria now? Yes, I'm back in Bulgaria for the last six years. And the journey to China, it started just by me feeling adventurous. Because at some point in my life, I was just working in an office. I was selling frozen berries in bulk. So it wasn't a very exciting job to tell you the, like, <laughs> to tell you the truth. And at that point, I thought that I knew everything about commerce and how the deals are done because I was selling the like everything like in trucks and even higher amounts so we, we have never sold any ships by the way because that's a lot but the trucks yeah and i thought that i understood everything like the bills of lading how the deals are done how to accept the payments invoicing everything but that wasn't enough when we came to china we found the, the variety of suppliers of everything you could imagine there were literally plazas those are skyscrapers of like full to the brim with goods of various kinds like a plaza for smartphone accessories that's not an exaggeration there is a whole city of like smartphone accessories you could literally just find everything but what we realized at that point was that it's not about the suppliers it's about the customers because we didn't have uh, that many customers at that point 
And when we came to China and we found all the suppliers, we found how to work with them, we figured everything out. We still were forced to understand marketing, to reach out to customers, to do the prospecting, the selling, and that's how, that's how we were surviving. So we figured out the paid ads and it was the full experience because we had to survive based on how well the business performed. We didn't take any funding ever. We didn't even know that was a possibility. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how my Chinese adventures came to an end when we lost one of our biggest customers. And then we felt like overwhelmed with all the operations and uh, like packaging the boxes. Because again, for two and a half years, my main occupation was to go to a warehouse, to accept the goods, to pack the goods, to ship it to the logistics company, to negotiate with suppliers, check. And I even stopped speaking English that much just because we were working with Europe and like it wasn't necessary. And I like all the time I was exposed to Chinese. So my English kind of went down. So... Yeah, at some point I realized, like, that's not what I want to do in life. I wasn't born to package boxes. That's not something that I want to do. And that's when this part of this journey ended. And after that, we moved back to Bulgaria. We, like, we were, yeah, at that point we were very discouraged because, like, we attempted to work, we attempted to create our own business. It wasn't the next Amazon, unfortunately, or even the next AliExpress, it wasn't. (laughs) Like... Yeah, and that's when we realized that we could do something with the tools that we developed for ourselves while we were in China. So everything from inventory acceptance, keeping track of all the shipments, keeping track of all the orders, and yeah, we just wanted to bring all the experience that we had to a better cause and make it available for our e-commerce entrepreneurs to use. So that's how TrackMage was born, and that's how it's still there. Yeah, it's interesting that a lot of these great, there's a lot of great tools that get developed in-house, and then suddenly the entrepreneur who's selling something realize that they have a great CRM or inventory management or whatever that tool is, that software tool, and suddenly they've decided their their old business is no good and here's a much better business. Do you feel Mm -hmm. as though branching into a whole new culture helped you be more competitive? Did working in China help you be a better entrepreneur when you went back to Bulgaria? You know, what I definitely can say uh, happened is that I lost my, like, rose-tinted glasses. I started actually looking realistically at the world of business, and uh, it's, like, we, like, at the beginning of the journey, we lost unfathomable amount of money. Like, with just purchasing the wrong goods or just, I don't know, like, the logistics partner losing the packages and who knows what else. We experienced all the hardships of working with people that we didn't know about. And we didn't have experience with all those different products that were ordered from us. Because we literally offered to buy anything from China from us. And that's, that was probably a mistake. Right now I realize it was probably a mistake. We should have niched down. We should have just studied that niche, understood the quality requirements, found the best suppliers, and then just scaled that. But instead, we just went broad and developed the tools instead of developing the... But again, that's a learning experience. I, I will never say that I'm not glad it happened. And after that, I now realize how important that is to understand the customer before the supplier, because... There are a lot of suppliers, but 
the customers, they are the backbone of a business. And if you don't have any sales, you don't have a business. That's as easy as that. One of my experiences with buying products from China is that documentation is often just Google translated. Do you find that same type of, did you find that, say, I'm assuming you sold products to Bulgaria and it was maybe they put, they did a Google translate into, Bul, into Bulgarian and nobody actually, no human actually read the read the text. Is that something that is overlooked in China or is it something that, that people just don't think is important? I'm, and I'm just saying specifically language, like we, you get some products that are coming from China that are just translated into English. And it's clear it was done through a machine. It wasn't, nobody actually read it who's in English. Yeah, in case of our deals, I was translating everything, so that wasn't the case. So, yes, I did remember when we got some materials, they were very poorly translated. And I did have to, I did have to spend a lot of time to adjust the wording and to literally make something out of uh, the cluster of words or keywords that I received as vacation. So that was fixed by me, basically. And I remember how we were creating all the documents just because they were the requirements of the customs, not because the suppliers provided them. From the suppliers, we literally got big thank you and the goods. <laughs> That's all we got from it. So, yeah, I believe the problem literally exists, but I think with AI tools that are currently on the market, you can adjust that. And uh, the translation tools were also getting better. When we were in China, communication was done just through the mobile phones. We were writing in English and showing them some uh, Chinese characters, and they understood us. I think right now it's, it would be through Google speech or something, like I'm going to talk to the tool. I don't know, Skype maybe. They introduced some on-the-fly translation. So... I think right now it's much easier to communicate anywhere in the world. But at that point, it was challenging. So your experience coming out of China and then into TrackMage, and I noticed, I know one thing you've said about TrackMage is it helps the merchant put their store more on autopilot. Just can you explain how it, it how that works and how it, the, the, I know you've said that there's less customer service involved, but it can't always be 100% auto. That's why we're not saying that 100% of customer support requests are going to be automated, because if the customer has a question about the size chart or about the customs clearance or something like something was shipped to the wrong location, you still need to have customer support and you need to reply to those customers. But all the repetitive questions, the ones that can be answered by robots, uh, like the where is my order, the Lismo request, that, that one can definitely be automated. And with automation, literally nobody is going to ask you that question because it's not going to be an issue for the customer. They are already going to know when, like, when the order is coming, where is it, where is it coming from, uh, what carrier it's shipped through. And also they will have the information about the delivery, the refunds, whatever information you want to put on the tracking page. Because the more information you give to your customers, the less likely they are going to reach out. There are some illiterate people who are still going to <laughs> go to customer support and ask a question. I, I totally understand that there is going to be a percentage of people who are still going to not understand what's going on. But that percentage is going to be minuscule compared to the previous amount. 
So that's just like the customer support side. A lot of automation is also coming from operations side. So, for example, with, Chi with Chinese suppliers, we had to deal with this interesting situation where the supplier is providing you with a tracking number or the information about the package, but then the tracking number doesn't have any tracking information. So that means the tracking number is either incorrect or the product has not been shipped. And if, for example, this situation is left unattended for a week or two, the customer is going to get anxious. They're going to start asking for their money back. So we had to monitor all of that. And that's how in TrackMage we have two counters, days in idle and days in transit. So days in idle is counting until the package is actually moving. So until the status in transit appears on the package. And the other one, days in transit, is counting how many days it's in transit. What if the package got lost in the post? So this way, the business can proactively reach out to those customers who were unfortunate enough to experience a delay. And if it's in the initial stage of communication with the supplier, they can reach out to the supplier and ask, like, where is the package? When are you going to ship it? And if a supplier is unresponsive or there is an issue, they can even refund it and find another supplier to buy the product from. That's specifically handy for dropshippers. For others, it's not that handy, but still you can poke your suppliers or even knock at their doors and say, like, that package, it should have been shipped three days ago. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, a really good point. A lot of ERPs will generate a tracking. They'll generate the package has been shipped even before it gets to the post office or UPS picks it up. And UPS doesn't assign a tracking number until they've actually taken possession of the package. So that's a great feature right now. Yeah. If you were to offer some bit of advice to a merchant going into the holidays right now, what could they still do and what should they be doing after the holidays? The holiday season is rather challenging for e-commerce. So it just literally creates an overload of shipments and overload of uh, everything, like processing. So I guess my... Like most straightforward advice is keep sane, keep calm, <laughs> because this is going to pass. But right now you need to operate at 100% efficiency, 100% capacity. So mm, I guess that, uh, that's the advice. But after the holiday season is over, you can examine and do some post-mortems for some of the problems that you experienced during the holiday season. You can see which carriers failed, which carriers you might want to replace with an alternative one. I know that uh, on social media there are quite a few people who are talking about diversifying the uh, shipment volume between not just FedEx, UPS, like the, like the two major carriers. You could try the other ones and see if this improves your cost per shipment or the cost, like the overall margin as well. So Another thing would be to evaluate your customer support uh, after the holidays and see where the customer support might have failed or might have failed the communication with the customers. Because usually during holidays, people want to buy presents and it, they become very sensitive to the timelines of the shipment. So if the person is not going to get their Christmas socks, for example, they're going to be very upset and the customer support needs to handle that and be mentally prepared that there are going to be customers with delayed ship. Yeah. And the most interesting part would be to evaluate your systems overall. So once the holiday season is over, once you see all the weak points where the systems are not working as you expected them, to you can definitely, I don't know, start evaluating which systems are lacking in your tech stack. Maybe tech mage is lacking. <laughs> yeah, something of a similar fashion where you can see all the orders and all the operations on one page and understand where you are still not efficient enough.
So just basically do the fine tuning when it's the low season. In January or in February, it's the best time to start implementing some new changes because during the holiday season, you will not have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's really good advice. Never make changes during the holidays or after October, maybe. <laughs> Code lockdown for people who do on-prem software. Irene, when we close out the podcast, I give everybody a chance to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like. What would you like to plug today? All right. I would like to gift the listeners of uh, Top Commerce Podcast the free resource. It's called How to Get 5 to 10% Extra Sales from Existing Customers Without Spending More Money on Ads or hiring more staff. In this book, you can see like all the key ingredients for creating the best post-purchase experience for your customer. And definitely you will understand what things are lacking in your current post-purchase experience. And you can either implement them yourself or maybe use TrackMage for that purpose. Yeah. And you can find it at trackmage.com slash flywheel-extra-sales. And I hope that in the show notes, you can also find that. Yeah, yeah I'll put all those, I'll put all the, all your links in the show notes, so how they can get in contact with you and, and, and of course, trackmage.com. Thank you, Rita. Thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for staying up late and thank you. It's my pleasure. I love talking about e-commerce and what you can improve in your supply chain and post-purchase experience. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce. Please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business, I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com.